are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. I remember a few years ago on a Sunday morning when the uh, service was over, a senior adult lady came up to me and she said, um, Pastor Rick, you know I live in this, um, in this living center for senior adults, and, um, and she said, uh, we, we have a little choir that we formed, and, and we plan on um, actually um, having a little program this next week, and, and she said, I thought maybe that, that, that if you were available, you might come, and you might enjoy it. We worked really hard at it, and I said, no, I, I could come, and so I went to this senior adult independent living center and, and uh, walked into a little activities room. And uh, there were rows of metal chairs lined up, and I sat down in one of them. And in front of me was a, a little stage box, only one, and there were two speakers on stands on either end, and two microphones pointed toward where the choir would stand, and just the simple accompaniment of one piano over to my left. And they all got up on the stage box, maybe. 13 or 14 of them, and they sung, and they, they were very good. And then there was some kind of joke made about, um, we can only stand for two songs at a time, so we're going to sit down, and, um, and now someone's going to sing a solo. And so this little lady steps up to the microphone, a beautiful little lady, way up in years. And uh, she started to sing a song that I had heard really most of my life. It was a song called, There's Something About That Name. It's, it's a song that Bill and Ga Gloria Gaither wrote now almost, what, 50 years ago. They wrote it in 1970. And they said the reason that we wrote it was because that in the period of just over a year, all four of our grandparents passed away. I'm sorry. Yes, our grandparents passed away. And they said, um, in the last days of their lives... We were taken aback a little bit by how they all spoke over and over again the name Jesus. It was in that season that our first baby came and one night developed a terrible fever. And the Gaither said, we found ourselves standing over our baby, speaking the name of Jesus over. And, and we begin to live with this conviction that there was something very powerful, very beautiful, very loving about the name of Jesus. And they wrote the song. And so I thought this morning maybe I would sing it for you. And Annette suggested Nick. <laughs> and so I thought you might like to sing it. And I think we might even have words for you.
When the lady sung the song, I, I don't know exactly what happened to me, but last week I talked to you about thin places. It's when the distance between us and God seems to vanish, and the veil between heaven and earth becomes very sheer. And, and, and it, was just, it was just in that moment that I felt the presence of God. It's, it's like you're in a holy place, a holy moment, and I began to weep. And, and I began to just just kind of live in the presence of the Lord and in the power and in the love of the name Jesus. I, I guess here's what I want to do today, okay? I, I've been living with a verse of Scripture that I'm going to share with you, but in it, this is what I have come to learn and embrace. And that is that the name of Jesus is far more than just a name. The name of Jesus, way more than just a name. Once in a while, I'll meet somebody, and, and they'll have a unique name. And, and so I'll say to them, well, now you're the first that I've ever met with this name. Uh, is there a story behind your name? And, and they'll tell me the story. So what is the story behind the name Jesus? Do you remember it? Do you remember how Jesus got his name? You do? It was because the angel said not just to Mary, but to Mary and Joseph, separate occasions, he is to be called Jesus. You were to give him the name Jesus. So what if somebody said to you, when you said to them, how did you get your name? What if they said, an angel named me? You might be tempted to say, yeah, right. But let me take you to the verse of Scripture, okay? Now, we've been in Luke 2, right, this whole way, this entire journey, and we're just at the very next verse, but it's only going to be one verse today, okay? But this is the very next verse in our reading. So on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus. Now, if you became friends with an Orthodox Jew today, if you met a person who's an Orthodox Jew and you became friends and they invited you to their son or their grandson or their nephew's bris, and you said, I would love to come. Thanks for inviting me. What day is it? They would say, we don't know. It's going to be the eighth day after the child is born. So whatever the eighth day is, that's when this is going to happen. And you would go to the synagogue with that Jewish family and they would walk up onto the platform with the child, and they would circumcise him, and they would give him his name. And so that's what's happening here. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus. Now, listen to the next line, okay? The name the angels had given him before he was conceived. So I want to talk to you about exactly what the angels said 
when they gave him the name Jesus, even before he was conceived. Annette and I were at the house the other night. It was Tuesday. We were sitting in our living room, and the fireplace was on, and uh, the Christmas tree was lit, and the television above the fireplace was on because we had been given a heads up that Channel 4 here in Oklahoma City had done a special news report on one of our pastors, Thaddeus Black, along with Rick Raines, a former FBI agent who had arrested Thaddeus. And this morning, for selling drugs, and this morning, I wanted us to celebrate that story together. So could I take you to Adria Goins, I thought, exceptionally done well report about Pastor Thaddeus. So here's News Channel 4. Every Wednesday afternoon, the Two Lakes Food Pantry is packed. People picking out free loaves of bread, boxes of food, a blessing in a bag. Thaddeus Black greets each person with a smile, a laugh, or a hug. He's the pastor at Two Lakes Community Church, preaching to families and young men and women in a troubled area of Bethany. We have a, a open arms vision. We try to get to know these youth. Uh, it's hard to grab all of them, but you know, the ones that we can create a good safe space for, uh, we can. A safe space far away from the plagued path he chose, one that put him in prison. So I started selling drugs probably about the early part of 96. You pick up this drug sack and next thing you know you're selling drugs and it just becomes that part of that culture that you, you get into. This married father of two became a cocaine dealer. I did it hard and fast. And the FBI was fast to figure him out. After months of surveillance, agents tracked him down. Two years of dealing put him in federal prison for 11 years. At his lowest point, locked up, he contemplated taking his own life. He tearfully made a jailhouse phone call to his mother. She said, the good Lord loves you, Thaddeus. He loves you. And it was at that moment, and I've heard my mother tell me about Jesus all these times, but it was that moment right there that I'm telling you that it, it was like a light switch that came on inside my soul. A soul saved, warmed by the word inside those cold concrete walls. Years passed, but not without his Bible in hand. When he was released, a young man he had mentored behind bars introduced him to Gary Pitcock, who was willing to help. I said, I'm not looking for a handout, brother. I just need a hand up right now. Pitcock gave him a job at a car dealership off of MacArthur and asked him to come to church at Bethany First Church of Nazarene. It wasn't long before Black found a permanent place in the pews as a member, called to share his testimony one Sunday morning. So I was a cell of dope, and now I'm a cell of hope. It was a story familiar to a man sitting in the congregation, a former FBI agent by the name of Rick Raines. And they showed that he was arrested by the FBI in Guthrie, and I was like, well, wait a minute. So that's, that's when I called my friend and said, yeah, what was the name of that case? We worked in Guthrie. The case was Thaddeus Black. Behind the lens of the camera capturing surveillance images that eventually put Black in prison was Raines himself. I remember coming up behind him and grabbing him, patting him on the back, said, Thaddeus, you are not going to believe 
but I was on the surveillance team. I was probably the one taking your photo. You gotta be kidding me, right? But it, it was good, it was a good thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, but, but was, this is crazy. Reigns went from helping to put Black away to helping him find his way in Christ. When Black wanted to become an ordained minister, Reigns was on the board that recommended a minister's license. I knew God had done a work in his life and that uh, he had called him to ministry. And when he was ordained, Reigns and two other former FBI agents who had a hand in his arrest were there to witness his full circle moment. Which is why Pastor Black serves here every week, feeding the hungry and preaching the gospel from the pulpit, spreading the good word in a world desperate for hope. The church lived for Christmas to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Pastor Black is reminded of his own rebirth. He doesn't regret his path because it led him here, to his church, to his faith, to a connection with a foe turned friend. Uh, it's a special, special friendship. It's, it's just kind of crazy that uh, God has put us together in, in such close, in such a close way. In Bethany, Adria Goins, Oklahoma's News 4. <laughs> oh. Don't you love it? Don't you love the way that Jesus changes people's lives? Oh, Thaddeus needed a Savior. You might respond by saying, well, Thaddeus had been doing some sinning. But the Bible says we've all been doing some sinning. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Adam and Eve are in the garden. God has great intentions and a great life for them. It's called paradise. But they choose their own way instead, and they fall far from God. The relationship is broken. And let me tell you something, folks. This right here is not paradise. This is not the Garden of Eden. And God is doing everything he can to reclaim what was lost there. And so it's Christmas. He sent his only son to come to us and to help us and to restore this relationship. He gave his life that that which separates us from God might be done away with and we might be restored in our relationship with him. Everybody, everybody, everybody needs a Savior. Yeah. So here's the good news. God provides, and I love this, what he does with the name of the son that he sent, he put his mission in his name. So let me take you back to what the angels actually said. This is to Mary. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and you will give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. And then the angel appears to Joseph in the dream. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. And listen to what he says, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, you, you might already know this, but, but the, the name Jesus is not a Hebrew name. It's a Greek name. But it is the Greek name of the Hebrew name Joshua. So Jesus is the Greek form 
of the Hebrew name Joshua. And the name Joshua means the Lord saves. And so why did God want his name to be Jesus? And here's the answer. Because he will save his people from their sins. You remember a sermon series just a few weeks ago we, we did was called Someone You Know. And we talked about someone that you know, someone that I know, may need to hear about Jesus. And, and then we remembered that someone that we knew told us about Jesus. And I challenged you to think about your spiritual journey and your faith family tree. Who told you about Jesus? And who told them about Jesus? And who told them about Jesus? Do you know your tree? As, as I shared that story, a guy who attends our church here and has for many, many years, Mark Udaly, said to me one day in the foyer, you, you challenged me to write down my spiritual journey. And, and I put it in the form of a little booklet because I wanted my kids to have it. I wanted my grandkids to have it. I wanted my great-grandkids to have it. I wanted them to know their spiritual family tree. And, and then he says to me, and, and, and I thought I would give you a copy if you might like to read it sometime. I said, I would love it. And so with Mark's permission, his story goes something like this. He was raised in a Christian family. His dad was actually a pastor. And Mark said, in my high school years, I was really not interested in salvation. So to use the words from the scripture today, he was saying, I was really not interested in being saved from my sins. He said, when I got out of high school, I joined the Navy, but only for one year. And while I was in the Navy, I began to act like a sailor acted. I began to live that kind of life. He said, I came home from the Navy, and when I got home, I continued to live the life I'd begin living in the Navy. But he said, in 1952, now this is 70 years ago, I was ordered to come back to active duty. It was during the Korean War, and I was serving in ships off the Korean waters. And he said, every port that we stopped at, it became more and more tempting to live like a sailor because those ports opened their arms and welcomed us sailors and all of our money. He said, I remember when I got out of the Navy, my mother decided to uh, take a hand at matchmaking. And so one weekend, she invited three young women to my house to spend the weekend. And one of those women was Jaquetta, the lady that I ended up marrying. He said, Jaquetta and I began dating, but um, I enrolled at Oklahoma University to study architecture. And so I would drive to Bethany on the weekends so I could spend time with Jaquetta. He said, if I was going to spend time with Jaquetta, one of the things that spending time with Jaquetta meant was going to BFC here, attending church here on Sunday morning. And Mark said, God began to talk to me. God began to work on me. God began to speak to me. And Mark said, one Sunday night, driving back to Norman from Bethany, after I'd been to church with Jaquetta, I asked the Lord to forgive my sins. And Mark said, I was changed. The next day, I knew that something had happened to me. It was for real. 
And he says, it's still real today. And, and Mark concludes by writing to his kids and his grandkids and his great-grandkids, God's forgiveness is an incredible thing. So I, I think what I'm trying to say today is really, really simple. It's just do what Mark did. If, if the name of Jesus is not just a name because it's a name that means God has come to save his people from their sins, then I would just say accept the forgiveness that Jesus offers. You understand, don't you, that the name Jesus was a very, very common name? And you might say, well, if it, if it meant that, why would, why would moms and dads name their kids Jesus if it meant the Lord saves? It was really a symbol. It was given as a symbol to their sons as a reminder and a sense of hope that Yahweh would bring salvation one day to Israel. But you know what they were hoping for? It was more of a physical kind of salvation. It was that God would finally defeat the strong arm of the Romans who were ruling over them. But right here and right now, the angels suggest another kind of salvation. Maybe what you really need, Israel. Maybe your greatest need. And maybe the greatest need of the whole world is to be saved from your sins. Have you ever considered this? What I'm hoping for most may not be what I need most. What I'm hoping for today may not be my greatest need. Let me, let me close. I asked you last Sunday if you would pray for a little boy named Owen Owen Rains, two months old, RSV at Children's Hospital. And I told you last Sunday morning that they had to put him on a vent. Sunday was a rough day. Monday got harder. And Tuesday, we were feeling desperate. Tuesday night, a group of people gathered to pray. Things felt dire. But let me tell you something. In the last couple of days... Little Owen has made a turn. He's the grandson of Rick and Debbie who have been such a part of this church for such a long time. And today, the text that I read from Cody was, Owen is rocking and rolling. <laughs> Isn't that great news? And they're hoping and they're praying that maybe he can get off the ventilator really soon. So thankful. You know what Debbie said to me? She said, you know, I forget Pastor Rick. I don't, I don't think about this. I don't remember this. But there are people in these waiting rooms every day praying that somebody they love will live. There's somebody in these waiting rooms every day praying that somebody they love will live you see we find ourselves in situations we can't fix problems we can't solve illnesses we can't heal brokenness we can't mend and sin 
we can't reconcile. And the bottom line is we need a Savior. And the good news is one has come. I'd love for us to pray together. Would you bow your heads with me? And so what is, what is your prayer today? Is it about a situation you can't fix or a problem you can't solve? Are you praying about an illness you can't heal? Are you praying about brokenness you can't mend? Is there anybody who's praying about sin you can't reconcile? This morning, it's completely appropriate to say, Father, I need a Savior. And to pray the prayer that you need to pray. And I remind you, He will hear you. Thank you, Lord, for hearing us pray. In Jesus' name. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.